Adventures of Robin Hood. So here I go. How Little John Came to Greenwald. You gentle men and you men good. Come in and drink with Robin Hood. If Robin Hood be not at home, come in and drink with Little John. Old Rhyme. After Robin Hood had rescued Will Scarlet from the sheriff of Nottingham, he reminded quietly in the Sherwood Forest for some time, building huts in several of the most secret and hidden clearings, drilling of his followers, and teaching those who were new to all new to it all the secrets of wood lore. Many came to swell his band, outlaws, poor men, who were suffering under cruel masters, and even a yeoman or two, and several who had been forced into the service of the sheriff, or various of the Norman knights and barons of the districts. The great north road passed through the forest at that time, and surprise attacks supplied them with all they needed in the way of Lincoln Green, cloth and arrows, or the money with which to buy these. When order and comfort had been brought to this new commonwealth of Greenwood, a prick Precautions taken against surprise by the sheriff or any of the neighboring knights, such as Sir Guy of Gisborne and their followers, Robin began to go further afield. He knew that it would be well to have several places of refuge should Prince John send a large force to drive them out of Sherwood, and in time, he and his men were able to disappear from Nottingham district and were often to be found in Barnstall, Yorkshire, or Plotum in Cumberland. On the occasion, they had Delamere Forest in Cheshire. Much of their time was taken up in archery, at which all became very perfect one, though none could ever shoot so far or so true as Robin, her, Robin himself in the fencing with swords or playing at quarterstaff. There were, but there was time for hunting, as well since vengeance was most usual food, buried with pork from the wild from the wild boars, hares and various wild forests. Many uh many a time Robin Hood Robin would grow weary of the general course of every day and wander off by himself, leaving most Scarlet in command. Often he returned from those expeditions 
with news of a party of wealthy travelers to be waylaid and robbed, or some no injustice or cruelty protests against the Saxon yeoman or Saxon serfs. Sometimes he returned with a new member for his band of outlaws, and the most noteworthy of these chance meetings won for him and truest of him and most faithful of, his, of all his friends. It was late in their first summer in Sherwood, and on a sudden Robin grew restless. Stay you all here, my merry fellows, he said, er, said early one morning. But come but come and come swiftly if you hear the blast on my horn that you all know as my special call. We have had no sport these fourteen days and more. No adventure has befallen us, so I will go forth and seek for one. But if I should find myself in difficulties with no escape, then I will blow my horn. Then he bade farewell to Scarlet and the rest and set off lightly through the greenwood, his bow ready on his hand, his eyes and ears alert for anything of danger or interest. About noon he came along the forest path, a wide, swiftly following street, which was crossed by a narrow bridge made of a single tree trunk flattened on the top. As he approached it, he saw a tall yeoman hasting towards him beyond the stream. We cannot both cross at once. The bridge is too narrow, thought Robin, and he quickened his pace, meaning to be first over. But the tall yeoman quickened his pace also, with the result that they each set foot on the opposite ends of the bridge at the same moment. Out of my way, little man, shouted the stranger, who was a good foot taller than Robin. That is, unless you want the ducky, a ducking in the stream. Not so fast, not so fast, tall fellow, answered Robin. Go you back until I have passed, or, or maybe I will do the ducking. Why then, cried the stranger, raising the staff, I'll break your head first and tip you into the water afterwards. We'll see about that, said Robin, and taking an arrow well feathered from his wing of a goose, he fitted it into the string. Draw that bowstring ever so little, shouted the stranger, and I'll first tan your hide with this good staff of mine and then soak you well as the stream. You talk like a plain ass, exclaimed Robin scornfully. For where I bend my bow, I send an arrow quite through your proud heart before you could touch me with your staff. I talk like an ass, answered the stranger. You talk like a coward. You stand there well armed with a good long bow while I have only a staff 
and I am well out of your reach. I scorn the name of a coward, cried Robin, slipping an arrow back into his quiver and unstringing his bow. Therefore I will, will I lay aside my weapons and try your manhood with a quarter staff such as your own, if you will but wait there until I cut one in the thicket. Here I buy, said the stranger cheerfully, cheerfully, one foot on the bridge until you are ready on the cold bath of the stream. Robin Hood stepped aside into the thicket of trees and chose himself a stout six-foot staff of the ground of a ground oak, straight and true and strong. Then he returned to the bridge, looping and trimming his weapon as he came. He flung his bow and quiver on the bank with his hood and his horn beside them and set foot again on the bridge crying merrily lo what a lusty staff i have and took one at that the very thing for knocking insolent rogues into the water let us fight here on the bridge so that if one of us goes into the water, there will be no doubt who has won, and the victor may go on his way without a wedding. With all my heart, said the stranger, I scorn to give way at have it at your head. So saying, he grasped his staff at one quarter from from the way from the end and held the other hand ready to grasp it by the middle and then using it as a shield and advanced along the narrow bridge. Robin came to meet him, flourishing his weapon round his head and by a quick fence got the end of in his under adversary's guard and made his ribs ring with the blow. This must be rapid, cried the stranger. Be sure I'll give you as good as I get for a law for so long as I am able to handle staff. And I scorn to die in your debt when I when a good crack will pay what I owe what I owe. Then he went at it with mighty blows, rather as if dressing corn with fails. Presently, the sharp rattle and clatter of wood upon the wood was broken by a duller crack as the stranger struck Robin on the head, causing the blood to appear. And, uh, and after that, they lashed at each other all the more fiercely robin beating down the guard and getting in with a blow after blow on shoulders and sides until the dust flew from the strangers jerking like smoke but on a sudden with a great cry of rage the stranger whirled up his staff and smote so mightily with such a fury that even robin could not withstand it 
but tumbled head over heels into the stream and disappeared from sight. Good fellow, good fellow, where are you now? shouted the stranger, kneeling on the bridge and gazing anxiously down the water. Here I am, shouted Robin gaily as he pulled himself out by an overhanging hawthorn. I'm just floating down the stream and washing my bursted head as I go. I must acknowledge myself, Legion. You're a fine fellow and a good hitter. And as the day is yours, I let there be no more battle between us. That Robin picked up his horn and sounded a shrill blast on it. Then turning to the stranger, he said, Whither are you where you're hastening in the greenwood? I trust that you can spare time from your business to dine with me. Indeed, I insist upon it and must use a force if persuasion will not bring you. To tell you the truth, answered the stranger, I was in search of the man they call Robin Hood. Before Robin could answer, there was a crashing of the thicket, and out bounded Will Scarlet, followed by many other men of his men, making a bold show in their well-fitting doubles, doublets, and hoods hooves of lingon green good master cried scarlet that has befallen you that you blew the call for us you're bleeding and wet to the skin nothing has befallen me asked answered robin save that this fine fellow here has just tumbled me into the stream with that long staff of his by the rod exclaimed scarlet you cannot scoff free after so insulting bold Robin Hood. Come on, my merry men, let us give him a turn of the cold water. Oh no, 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 laughed Robin. He's a stout fellow and turned blade me over in a fair fight, so let him be. Come now, my friend, he added, turning to the stranger. These bowmen will give you no cause for fear. These are all my friends, and they shall be your friends too, if you'll set your hand in mine and swear loyalty to Robin Hood and his companions. Speak up, Jolly Blade, and, and never fear, and we'll soon have you as a fine a shot with a long bow as you are a player with a stout quarter staff. Why, here's my hand, cried the stranger, and my heart goes with it, honest Robin. My name is John Little, and you need not fear that I will bring any shame upon your merry men. I am skilled in the arts of war and of the, ch of the chase, and will follow your loyal alley wheresoever you may lead. I still think you need a ducking, said Will Scarlet later that day, said as they all sat round a fire before with two plump does were roasting, but a good sprinkling with brown ale will at least do you no harm. It is your our custom here in the Greenwood to give every man who joins us a new name. 
What, what say you, my friends? Shall we not make this into a christening feast with our new friends and bestow a greenwood, a greenwood name upon him? Whoa! Said Good Scarlet. Good Scarlet cried the outlaws, gathering hand in a ring of laughing faces. And Robin shall be his godfather. Agreed, smiled Robin. Now to your work, good person Scarlet. Why then, cried Scarlet, filling the gigantic mug with foaming ale. Attend to all of you. This child, this babe brought here for christening, was called John Little. But seeing that he is so small, so puny a babe, being indeed no more than seven foot high, a mere L or so about the waist, what say you, child, a mere yard and no yard, a quarter? Well, well, a year of vengeance and strong ale will make you two yards about. As I was saying, seeing that child is so undersized and still undernourished, interrupted little John, John Little, sniffing hungrily in the direction of stealing venison. Seeing all this, continued Scarlet sternly, we'll turn him back to front and name him Little John. Now and forever. Long live little John. But with that he made as if to pour the ale over his good child's head, but but jo- little John twisted the mug out of his hands and shouting loud. Thus little John pledges Robin Hood and all who follow him in Mary Greenwood. He set a great chunk head to his lips and drained it, it at a drought. After that, they feasted and rejoiced far into the evening. But thenceforward, Little John became one of Robin's most faithful followers and truest friends. And in time, as Will Scarlet grew too old for such active service, he became his second in command. But though he grew no shorter, the, and certainly no narrower round his waist, the name of Little John stuck to him, nor he was, nor was he ever known by any other. So that was chapter five. Bye guys, see you later. See you later, see you later, see ya, see ya. Later. Bye, guys.